What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing this morning? My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, let me say welcome. We are so glad that you would join us the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And so I want to take this second and just say happy Thanksgiving to everybody, because I'm not going to see you before Thursday more than likely, and by the time I do see you on Sunday, you'll be all stuffed and, and drooling from one side of your mouth and, and reminiscing on dumplings or whatever it might be, whatever God gave you during that season, but uh, it's so good to have you. It's a great Sunday to be here. I just want to say one thing. Every Sunday, I'm, I'm so jazzed, and that's the word I'm going to use today, jazzed, to, to come out. We, the, I meet with the worship team, and we do some praying before service, and then we pop out. And being able to see all the people that we call them dream teamers here that are serving, whether it be in V-Kids, coming through with our First Impressions team, with the auditorium host, production, and then of course, as Pastor Brian said, this incredible worship team that leads us in worship every Sunday. We could not do what's happening. 61 people have given their heart to Jesus since this church opened in the end of January. Come on, give God praise. And it would not happen without you, dream team. So first of all, we just love you. We thank you. Second of all, if you're visiting and you haven't had the opportunity to jump in Growth Track to be able to get a part of a team, I think there are six or seven that will be graduating today from Growth Track and joining the Dream Team. And we are just, again, we're jazzed about what God's doing right here through this church. And we want it to be a part of you. It's why we say you are here on purpose because you what? have a purpose. And we believe you have a purpose to be used by God. And you're going to hear me talk a little bit about that this morning, but as we move forward. Hey, if you got your Bibles, open to the book of Mark. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. So the second book, Mark chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, you can jump on your phone. You can Google Mark, find it there. If you don't want to do either, don't worry. The uh, scriptures and verses will be behind me so that you can follow along and read the word with us this morning. We are currently in a series called From Here to there, and we are asking God to do the impossible in our life. How many of y'all are asking God right now to do the impossible in your life? You're believing for something, you have an audacious prayer, and then we're finding the faith to believe him for it. And so last week, we talked about how the scope and the strength of our faith will be determined by who we perceive God to be, okay? Our strength, the strength of our faith, is determined by who we perceive God to be, because if you're going to ask for the impossible, you better know who you are asking the impossible of, right? My kids, they ask me for stuff in faith because they know that I can provide it. And so if we're going to believe for something impossible, we better be asking someone who's capable of the impossible. Amen? And so our approach to faith will often reveal our perception of God. And so last week we talked about the story in the Bible. We actually looked at it in Matthew last week. We'll look at it in Mark this week where Jesus takes five loaves, two fish, and he gives it to God. He blesses it and he turns around and he serves uh, 5,000 men. And they say, theologians say somewhere around 15,000 complete people between women and children. And he does this incredible miracle. And we said that in this miracle you can see four approaches that reveal four perceptions of God. And so we talked about two of them last week. The first one was when the crowd sat down. And we said that that approach of setting down revealed the perception that God is trustworthy, right? So God is trustworthy. Then the second uh, approach was when Jesus took the bread and the loaves and he offered it up to God and he gave praise and he gave thanks and he praised God prior to his provision. And we said that that approach revealed that God was his help, right? That's where his help came from. 
And so we're already getting kind of a good perception and foundation of God in our faith. He's trustworthy. He better be trustworthy if you're going to believe him for something. And he is where our help comes from. And today I want to look at the third approach. And to be able to do that, we're going to look at this story from the perception of Mark. So this is the only miracle that all four Gospels record. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all talk about the miracle of feeding the 5,000. So we've looked at Matthew's perception. Now we're going to look at Mark's in Mark chapter 6. Here we go. Verses 34 through 44. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Right? Right off the bat, that's what God's called us here at Victory Church, to come into an area and have compassion on God's people. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. We're living in a world right now that looks like a bunch of sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day because Jesus had taught all day. So his disciples came to him and they said, this is a remote place. There are no Bojangles. There are no Chick-fil-A's. There are no Taco Bells. And people are hungry. It's already very late. So send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The villages, they look like mall food courts, right? Y'all remember, remember, remember the mall food court? So they could go and buy whatever they wanted to eat. But Jesus answered, I love this, because again, I've heard me say this, Jesus was a gangster with a capital G. He answered to him, you give them something to eat. They said to him, but that would take more than half of a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and then come back and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Go and see. So when they found out how many they had, they said, we have five loaves, two fish. So then Jesus directed them to have all of the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, and the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So you've got a group of hungry people. They want to eat. The disciples come to Jesus, and they say, give them something to eat. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Wait a minute. You want us to go buy food and then just give it to them? So then Jesus finds the, get the fish and, and the five loaves, and he ends up blessing it, and then he gives it to the disciples, and he tells the disciples to give it to the people. I want to talk to you this morning just for a moment about the approach of giving and the perception of God that giving reveals when we give. We are moving into the giving season, right? That's what this is. We'll, next week, we'll, we'll celebrate Thanksgiving, and then everybody, if you haven't already done it, you'll start putting up your Christmas lights and your Christmas trees, and we move into giving season. And for some reason, the average American is just more of a giver in December. They just give more, buy people stuff, or buy the person in line behind them at Starbucks coffee. We just, it's just a giving spirit. And have you ever heard the saying, it's better to give than to what? receive. We all heard that in some shape, form, or fashion, and most of us go, <laughs> psych, <laughs> right? Ever since I was born, it was way more fun to receive than it's ever been to give. But there was one moment in my life where the giving was so much better than the receiving, all right? Let me explain. How many of y'all ever, ever eat at Mexican restaurants? Anybody here ever eat? Yeah, nobody, right? Okay. <clears throat> so, 
If you're there and somebody tells the waiter or waitress that it is your birthday or that it's somebody's birthday at the table, there's kind of a situation that they do. They'll come out and they'll sing or clap and they kind of put a hat on you depending on where you're at and they sing to you and celebrate you. In some places, I didn't know this till recently, some places will even take like a handful of whipped cream and like put, put just smack it right in your face. Only in America can I come to buy food from you and because it's my birthday, you get to put stuff in my face. You know what I mean? It doesn't even make sense to me. So I have been on the receiving end of that many times. In fact, there's been people before who told people it was my birthday and it wasn't even my birthday. And they just wanted to see me get whipped cream in my face. So I've been on the receiving end a lot of times. But one time I got to be on the giving end of this. All right? So this was years ago. I have a friend named Chad Hampton. I hope he's watching. And Chad Hampton has a very weird situation about himself. And here's the weird situation. He doesn't like to drink or eat anything white. Right? I don't know. I can't really. Whatever. He can't eat sour cream. He can't eat Cool Whip. Can't eat yogurt. Can't, can't drink milk. If it's white, uh-uh, it's not going to work. I always thought that was a little strange, but who am I to judge, right? And so we went, and so in this particular season, one of our friends was getting ready to move, so we all went to a Mexican restaurant to celebrate. And the friend that was getting ready to move, his name was Ben Kirk. And Ben Kirk is kind of a, uh, what do you call people that play jokes on people all the time? Yeah, prankster. There we go, jokester. And so we get there, and he goes, hey, I'm going to tell the waiter and waitress that it's Chad's birthday. And I said, all right, that'd be hilarious, right? So let me tell you something real quick about Chad, because it's going to be really important. He's very visual. Uh, when he laughs, or he's, he's with his whole body. So when he laughs, he laughs like this. <laughs> I mean, just mouth wide open, right? Just awkward. Like, I'm going to make him come here one day so y'all can see this. Just wide open mouth. So we're sitting there, we're eating, everybody's having a good time, and all of a sudden, here they come around the corner, you know, or whatever, I don't know what they do. And so it's the whole celebration. And if you notice, if you're ever eating with somebody and this happens, people start looking around for who is this for? Right? Like, what, 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 who, who's about to get this? We're looking, and everybody's looking, and Chad's looking, and all of a sudden they come over and they put the big hat on Chad, and it's just, he's just having a good old time, and they're singing, happy birthday, happy, and he has no idea that they do the Cool Whip thing, right? No idea. And so we're sitting there watching, and at the time, I didn't know they did the Cool Whip thing. So I'm thinking, this is like the most, you know, this, is, this moment's going to be. And right in the middle of them, happy birthday, he looks at Ben Kirk. Ben Kirk says, got you. And Chad goes, <laughs> and right when he does that, they went, whoo, and hit him with that Cool Whip. And all of the Cool Whip went right in his mouth every minute. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. he's spitting it out over everything. And I was like, yo, that was a moment where it was so much better to give than it was to receive, right? Y'all ever had those moments where it's just good to give? Better than it is to receive. I felt the Lord tell me something this week that I think is for the church and it's for you. God is not intending for our faith to grow so that we can pray bigger prayers. Whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute, Troy. That's, I've heard that differently. God's purpose for our faith to grow is not so that we can pray bigger prayers. The purpose of our faith to grow is so that we can meet bigger needs. That's the purpose of our faith growing. To be able to believe that God wants to do something great through us and in somebody else's life. It's not so that you can think up bigger and better things that you need. It's so that you can meet bigger needs. It's the whole purpose and why God would cause our faith to grow so that we could go out and meet bigger needs. When John began to pin down this particular story that Matthew, Mark, and Luke talk about, 
as y'all know, if we all went and saw a movie right now, you'd give a different movie review than I would give. People just seem to pick up different perceptions, different things. They perceive different things. So when John wrote about this same exact miracle, John writes a sentence that nobody else writes. And it kind of caught me off guard. It's in John chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And watch this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? This is the story we've been in. That makes sense. We kind of heard versions of that. But look at this. He asked, this is Philip's, or this is uh, John's perception. He asked this only to test him. Jesus asked this only to test Philip. Why? For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Wait a minute. Jesus already knows he's going to feed all those people? Yes. And Jesus already knows how he's going to do it? Yes. I'm on the side that believes Jesus is the only reason the boy was there with the sack lunch to begin with. I think Jesus put him there. Why? Where's his parents? You know what I mean? And and here's what you know. If that's Veda, I'm eating her food long before she has it. So something ain't right about that, right? Jesus had him there because he already knew what and how he was going to do it. So here's the question. Why the fiasco? If Jesus already knew that he was going to feed them and how he was going to feed them, why are we reading these 10 verses of this story? Why does it matter? Why did he include the disciples? Because I think Jesus wanted the disciples, listen to this, to not just experience a miracle, but to be a part of one. He didn't want them to just see something happen. He wanted them to be a part of it. This was the moment where the disciples realized, watch this, that Jesus didn't want to just do a miracle for them. He wanted to do a miracle through them. It was God who split the Red Sea through Moses, right? It was God who took down Goliath through David. It was God who built the ark through Noah. Hear me. God doesn't just want to answer our prayers. He does. He wants all of these things for us, but God doesn't just want to do a miracle for us. God's passion and desire is to do a miracle through us. And you're always wondering, why am I at this job? I'm not getting anything out of it. It's because God doesn't have you there to get something out of it. God has you there to do something through you at the job. Why am I in this relationship? Why do I have this friendship? Why am I in this situation? Why am I dealing with this? I'm not getting anything out of it because it's not for you. It's for God to do something through you. This is the message. If I die and you only get one message for Victory Church, here it is. This church isn't for you. It's not here for you to get something. It's here for God to do something through you. The whole purpose of being here is for someone's life to be changed through you. The moment you think you're just here to receive, you've missed the whole purpose and mission of God. If it was about you growing in God, he'd take you to heaven the moment you got saved. Because here's what I know. Your faith when you first get saved is only going to go down. Right? Because when you, when, you, when you first get saved, it's just like, oh, Jesus is the best. And then we, we start to experience, you know, hardship as a Christian. God doesn't quite do what we want him to do. We're going to talk about unmet expectations next Sunday and how God doesn't meet our expectations and this and that. And our faith is a, we've talked about this, it's seesaw faith. So if God wanted you to be able to be this super spiritual Christian who knows Greek and knows Hebrew, and he'd just take you when you got saved. But he knows he wants to do something through you. He knows there are people that are in your life strategically that he can minister to and lead to the Lord. And he can do all these things and do miracles through and heal marriages. But he has to do it through you. 
This is the difference between Christians in the Bible and Christians of today. Christians in the Bible, they were constantly running from persecution, and they understood that God wanted to do something through them. And if you ever find someone who serves God and has been serving God for a long time, and they are madly in love with God, here's what you'll find out about them. God has operated through them. Through them. Because that's his mission. That's his purpose. That's when you're going to feel the most fulfillment is when he works through you. And let me tell you this. This is the reason why the enemy hates you. This is the reason why he attacks you. This is the reason why he wants you to doubt what you can do. He wants you to doubt what God can do through you because he understands that if at some point you start to critique yourself and think you are unqualified, you will close the conduit in which you are that God can operate through, and now God will have to move on. He can't operate through you. If the enemy can get you to do that, in his mind, he's won. So here's what happens. I, I, I relate so much to the disciples once they found out that Jesus wanted to do the miracle and not for them, because here's what they do. They start to see themselves in 3D. So when this happened, they see themselves in 3D, and I, I'm the same way. Let me show you what they did. First thing they do is they doubt. Well, I, we don't really have a lot. There's not really much I can, I can provide for the situation, and you know, I, uh, I, don't, I don't really know that I have anything worth talking about. And their doubt leads to them deferring. Why don't we just send them away, right? Why don't they go to the countryside or, or the villages and, and let those people meet their needs? So, so they doubt. Their doubt leads to them to defer. But then when they find out Jesus isn't going to let them defer, then they start to focus on the demand. What is it going to cost us? You mean we got to buy all that and give it away? It's going to cost us. This is what I do. I don't know about you. This is what I do when I start to think about God wanting to operate through me. The very first thing I do is myself. Oh, I'm unqualified. I don't have, you know, look, this is, this is my education. This is who my parents were. My parents, they weren't even saved a couple years ago. And this, I, I, don't, have, I don't really have the best education or, or the best vernacular. That's a good word. You like that? And so, you know, I don't, all these different things. And so I, I begin to kind of assess myself. And I provide myself as unqualified, and I doubt that God could do anything through me. And because I doubt God could do anything through me, I defer him. God, couldn't you just use somebody else? Couldn't you just, what about them? They're super spiritual. What, what, what about them? They've been saved all their life. What about them? They know, they know the Bible. Couldn't you just use them? And then when I find out that God is not going to defer them to someone else, I begin to, cost, I begin to count the cost. Well, what, what's this going to cost me, God? So I see myself in 3D. I doubt, I defer, and then I count the demand. And this is what the enemy wants us to do because he understands the changes that can happen when God begins to work through us. And I'm just challenging you this morning. Don't fall into that temptation. Don't doubt yourself. I'm unqualified. You're supposed to be unqualified. You're unqualified because God is qualified. And when you come together, miracles happen, okay? Don't defer. God has you where he has you for a reason, for the purpose that he has you. And don't cost, don't count the demand. God will provide. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So don't do that. Understand that there's potential in who you are and what God wants to do through you. So here's the other statement I got this week for you that I, I have been chewing on for seven days now. Faith, you ready for this? Faith is not you and I believing for something we don't have. That don't sound right either, Pastor. I mean, ain't that kind of what we're doing, believing for the... Uh, listen, faith is not you and I believing for what we don't have. Faith is you and I seeing the potential in what we do have. Okay? One time... 
I was at the house. I was starving. And it's one of those weeks, y'all have these weeks where it's an awkward financial week and you haven't really been to the grocery store and there's no house and you're trying to live off, you know, peanut butter crackers and stuff like that, you know what I'm talking about? And so I'm hungry and I'm looking for, and I open the pantry and there's like flour and oil and like trash bags, right? It's like, that's all I got to work with. And so I'm, I'm like, well, I'm not going to eat because I, I don't have any kind of cooking ability. And so I go over to the refrigerator, open it up, it's all Darla's healthy stuff, and, and open this side and there's frozen vegetables. So I've got frozen vegetables and trash bags, which made sense. Put the vegetables in the trash bag, put them in the trash. Hallelujah. We made a sandwich. You know what I mean? And so I didn't, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So Darla comes home. I'm like, babe, I, we got to go to the store or we got to go get some fast food or something. I'm, I'm hungry and we don't have anything. She said, we don't have anything? I said, no, none, besides all your nasty food. We don't have anything. And so she goes, well, let me go look. So she goes, she looks for a second. She comes back, she goes, I can make you something. I said, well, what are you going to make me? She goes, just you, you go do what you're doing. Go work and I'll make you something. I come down to this mail. And I walk into our living room, and she has made vegetable fajitas, okay? I'm talking about a big old plate, vegetables, they're steaming, and she's got these tortillas on the table. And I don't, I don't like, like, Kroger tortillas. I don't like them. So I'm like, what did, you, did you go to the store? She goes, no, I didn't go to the store. And so I grabbed one, and it was delicious. I said, where were these hiding? And she said, they weren't hiding. We had the stuff to make them. I was like, what? What did you make? She said, flour, oil, water. I said, what? Here. I wasn't asking for something I didn't have. I needed to recognize the potential in what I did have. You know what I mean? I had enough stuff to make something, but I didn't see the potential in it. But you brought in someone way more godly and way more wiser than me, my wife, and all of a sudden she sees potential in something. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Us having faith in God is not begging for God to give us something we don't have. It's having the faith to stand there and say, show me what I already have. Show me what's going on in me already that can be used to impact other people's lives. What is it? What if the thing you're praying for is going to show up in the form of a need? Let me, let me, let me put it this way. Um, <laughs> when the disciples come to Jesus and they're asking him for food, there's food there. The boy has food. There's fish and there's bread there. So it, here... Can, can you give me faith? We, we need food. She's like, we got food. You just need to see the potential in what we already have. Because if you see potential in what you already have, then you'll quit asking God for stuff that you don't have and start asking him, how do I use what I do have? How do I turn the flour and the oil that I have into some amazing tortillas? What does that look like? God, show me. I may not have a lot, but I got something. Here's what we do. Let me tell you what we do. How do I see the potential in what I have, listen, when I don't have anything? How can I meet a need when I have needs? Right? This is, this is, this is how we process our, I got all these needs. You're talking about meeting a need. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't give. I can't, I can't meet needs when I have needs. What if I told you that God's pattern is using people who have needs to meet needs? Let's just be honest. The disciples were hungry, right? They didn't have some secret stash. They were hungry too. The, the only, look, they didn't care about people. Look, don't let... Don't, don't think they're some, like, model citizen. The reason why they paused Jesus talking to ask about food is they were starving. And they played it on everybody else, like, hey, Jesus, hey, hey, I'm sorry. Yo, oh, man, 
Woo, that's fire. Oh, um, these folks are hungry. No, 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 I'm good. I can fast 21 days. I'm good. But these people right here, they're really hungry. And so I was wondering if you could feed them. Oh, and by the way, we like to eat too. You know what I mean? Like they had a need. But Jesus used someone who had a need to meet a need. This same situation happened in the Bible before. There was this prophet named Elijah in the Old Testament. And Elijah was on the run. Now watch this. Elijah was sitting beside a brook, and he would drink from the brook, and the Bible says that ravens would feed him, okay? That's pretty, that's, not the Baltimore ravens, they can't do anything, but the ravens, so the ravens would feed him, and, and he would drink from, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty gangster, right? I could eat from birds and drink from the brook. Well, then the brook dries up, and then the ravens, they quit feeding him. So here's what he says, Jesus, I got a need. God, I got a need. I, I need you to meet my need. And here's what God says. Go to Zarephath, and when you get there, there's going to be a widow. And when you find that widow, let that widow know you got a need, that you're hungry, and that widow's going to meet your need. So Elijah packed his stuff up, right, put his dirty clothes in his little suitcase, and began to go his way to Zarephath. And he gets to Zarephath, and he finds the widow. And he walks up to the widow and says, hey, I got a need. God sent me here and told me that you are going to meet my need. And here's what the woman said. I love it. She said, listen, I don't have any food. And this was the version I was reading this week. She said, I've got just enough supplies to make a biscuit for me and my son, and then we're going to go sit down, and we're going to die. Hi, nice to meet you too, right? My name's Elijah. Can we restart this over? But here's my best part. Elijah goes, well, do that, but before you do that, make me a biscuit. Isn't that great? <laughs> me and my son, we're going to eat this little bit of flour, and then we're going to go over here and die. Okay, okay. All right, well, do that. Go ahead, die. But before you die, make a brother a biscuit. You know what I'm saying? Like, put some apple butter on it. Let me, okay? And then, then go do your thing. And then he tells her, here's what he tells her. He goes, look, if you'll do that, if you'll meet my need, he says, then God will meet your need. And so she goes and she uses the flour and she makes him something to eat. And the Bible says that she keeps on eating day after day after day after day after day after day after day. She didn't see the potential in what she had, right? I don't have anything. But when she used what she had to meet the needs of somebody else, God met her need. It has to be able to flow in your mind. I don't have a lot, right, but what God gave you, God gave you to be able to give. And when we give something to meet someone else's need, God meets our need. Uh, um, let's do this. I'm, uh, <laughs> Blake, come here for a second. All right, uh, Jamal, come here. Yeah, I'm using you too. Come here, come here, come here. We're going to illustrate this real quick, okay? Um, so in the Bible, they had fish. We got goldfish, okay? Um, which these, Try that. They're like pizza. They're so good. Um, all right, so we're going to illustrate this real quick. All right, so you're going to represent, you're, you're representing the crowd. You're representing Philip, all right? So here, here, put your hand out. You put your one hand out. One hand. There we go. Okay. So here, here is the picture. This is, this is like, this is if Mel Gibson was going to direct Mark chapter 6, this is what it would look like, right here, all right? Channing Tatum, cat, okay, here we go. Um, it's a very bad inside joke. So Jesus gives, all right, now, now, hold on. Close your fist. Now, here's the deal. I want to give you more, but I need you to give so that you can get, all right? So open your hand up. Now, give to Jamal. You gave to Jamal, and now you get, all right? Give again, and now you get. Give again. And now you get. Give again. 
Now you get it. Making sense? It's like, Troy, you should be teaching this in kids' church. Sometimes you got to teach like in kids' church. All right? Get, get, give again. Get. It's like, it's almost like, it's almost like if you give, you will be given to. I feel like somebody said this before. If, if you give, you'll be given to. Didn't Luke say this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38? He said, if, if, if when you give, you will be given to, and it will be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Y'all remember this? And so as long as you give, you get. Long as you give, you get. Long as you give, you get. And then here's what Luke said. The measure by which you give is the measure by which you get. Okay, now it's starting to make sense a little bit. So you're telling me that as long as I give, God's got to get. All right, so as long as I give, God's got to get. By the measure by which I give, God's got to get. Measure by which I give, God's got to get. Give, it'll be given. 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 All right, stop. Now listen. Step up here for a second. Turn around, Jamal. Turn around. Where is the measure by which he gave? Where is it? In Jamal's hand. Okay. So if this is the measure by which he gave, then this is the measure by which he what? Oh, y'all ain't ready for this. I, I, we'll come. If that's the measure by which he gives, then that's the measure by which he gets. So he gave and I gave. He gave and I gave. He gave and I gave. I don't have a lot, but I gave. I don't have, but I, and the measure by which you give is the measure by which you get. It's not about what you have, and it's not about how much you have. It's the potential of what you have. And when you say, what need can I meet? I've got a need. We all got needs. But when you use what you've got to meet somebody else's need, you are giving, and then God has to give back. Understand, it's a process. You give, you get. Now watch this. Give those to Jamal. We're going to give that too. All right? We're giving more. We'll just measure. All right? You good? Okay. Now watch this. Now... What normally happens is we are in such a poverty mindset that when we're given something, we hold it tight. Because what if I don't get any more? I got this. You need to get, no, 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 I'm not giving it away. <laughs> you need, no, 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 no. I just got this. I just, I've been praying, I've been praying for this and I just got it. And you want me to give it away? And God says, yes, because the measure by which you give is the measure by which you get. But you know what I've learned about God? Here, watch this. Hold on tight. I'll put your hand out. If you hold on tight, God can't bless you. So here's what I'm learning. God can't refill filled hands. God can't refill filled hands. How does God refill me when I give? And so when I'm giving, and listen, you, you can take this financially, you can take this in, in your gifts and in your anointing, you can take this, and when you're driving down the street and you see somebody with a busted tire, however it is that God's asking you to give, when you give, you can get. But as long as that hand is grabbed, I, I, nope, 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 you, oh, I, I, I got it, I got it. You're like Gollum, my precious, my precious. When you're like that. God can't refill full hands. Show you two something. We got to give these back to V-Kids. 
I'm kidding. The production team right now is like, I ought to kill him. So, all right, I said all of this. Y'all still with me? Still with me? All right, I came here this morning to show you a verse. Philippians 4.19. I want you two to really, you're not going to read it because I got the microphone, but I want you to see it, okay? Y'all seeing it? Watch this. And my God. I want y'all to shout with me in a minute, all right? Pastor Brian said it earlier. We are moving into the, in 2019, y'all need to be a loud church. We need to be crazy for Jesus, all right? My God. Here we go. Here we go. Will what? Supply. Woo! Smells like mom's collard greens. I'm just, oh, he will supply. Oh, trying not to step on a cracker. What will he supply? Every need. Woo! How, one need? No, no, no. How many? Some of them? Every need. Woo! My God will supply every need. I need an organ. I need to work on that. All right. Every need of who? Of who? Every need of, oh, so, so every need of the pastor? No. Every need of the worship team? No. Every, no. every need of who? Yours. Hey, hey, did you come in this morning and you haven't committed your life to Jesus? No, I haven't. Philippians 4.19 still applies to you. Still applies to you. He died for you. It still applies. I hadn't read my Bible. It still applies. Man, I just, this is the first time I've been to church. It still applies. It still applies. He will supply every need of yours according to what? His riches. That's one of my favorite parts. Because if he was supplying all of y'all's needs according to my bank account, we'd have to stop about right here, right? This is where we stop, right here. But according to his riches, we can leave right now. Woo, he's so good. Go ahead and give me that look. Give me that Jamal, man. You do. Go, oh, 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 oh. Come on, try it. You're white, but it's okay. Come on, try it. Uh, you look like you're on a treadmill. What are you doing? Come on, do it, do it. Jamal, give me that. Give me that, Jamal. Give me. Oh, oh, oh. Come on. Oh, hit the play every need. Hallelujah. Here's the problem with church. Here's the problem. We send you home with that. Oh, God will supply every need. He's my supplier. Will supply every need. I, I, I spend all my money on Netflix and I don't have groceries, but he's my supplier. This is what happens when we take scripture out of context. Y'all know what context means? It means there was more stuff said before that was said. Okay, can I show you? I'm educating y'all at the cost of them being educated, okay? So, Philippians is the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. So Apostle Paul, a lot like us in victory, would go to places, Philippi for example, and he'd plant a church. He'd start a church. And then he would go to Macedonia or or, uh, Rome or, or, uh, give me some more, Galatia or wherever, and he would plant churches, right? He He just would go around planting churches. And then he would either go and visit them, but if he couldn't visit them, he'd send them letters. This was back before text messaging. Paul be all on text. He'd be sending gifs and stuff, you know what I mean? Little funny gifs. But he didn't have that, so he'd write them letters. Philippians was a letter he wrote to the church of Philippi. Watch this. Put that up for me, Miss Erica or Miss Debbie. Sorry. Here we go. Paul talking to the church of Philippi. You yourselves also know. Other words, hey, right? 
Philippians, Church of Philippi, you know that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, my, my, my first trip when I went to preach after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. In my first ministry, no church helped me. No church met my need. No church gave to me but you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. No other church has helped me meet my needs. And even though I know you didn't have it, you sent me a gift not once, but twice. And I know you didn't have it, Philippi. I've been there. I've seen it. Y'all got nothing but dollar stores. You know what I mean? Like, I know you don't have it. But you sent me gifts to meet my needs. And here's my favorite part. Oh, this is kind of stuff we don't read, Jamal. Not that I seek the gift itself, because I don't need it. Because I'm the Apostle Paul, and God provides for me whichever way I go. So I don't need the gift. Watch this. But I seek for the profit which increases to your account. All right? Let me give you Troy version. I don't need your money. But when you gave to me, you were actually setting yourself up to get. Okay? When you gave, God put into motion what you were going to get. And so it wasn't about me. It was all for you. For I have received everything in full. And I have an abundance and because you gave to me when nobody else gave to me, and because you gave me gifts on two accounts to meet my needs, and because you did this, because you gave, because you gave, because you gave, my God will supply all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. A minute ago, we were all shouting, Give him God. We're like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Bring it, God. I want it all. Context says, because you gave, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. When we give, God gives. When you give, it is given. When you give, it is given. When you give, it is given. And eventually, you provide yourself a measure by which you give. And I will say this, and I will drop a microphone. If I had one, I could drop. If right now, God was to give you based off the measure you've given, what would it be? Lord, I thank you so much for who you are, your faithfulness. And God, you're calling us as a church to meet needs. Needs of the community, needs of the individuals that call victory their home. God, you've called us to give of ourselves in serving. Yesterday, I watched many people give of themselves on a Saturday to set up a church so that people could give their life to you, Lord. This morning, I'm watching people give of themselves. People will give financially. People will give physically. And God, when they give, 
you turn around and give back. And I know you're moving us into a generation as a church or moving us into to a year as a church where we are going to be called to meet needs, to give to those who need. And God, we have to shake the mindset that we don't have anything to give and begin to ask you, what do I have? What's the potential in what I have so that I can set a measure by which I've given, so that I can set a measure by which I will receive. Just pray for your Holy Spirit right now. Lord, you have the ability to take a specific message and make it vague enough to be able to touch every heart where they are and what they're dealing with. And I love that you use people who have needs to meet needs. And everybody that's in this place, my family, the worship team's family, every dream team member, every person that calls Victory Church to home, every visitor, God, we have needs. But faith is not about praying for those needs to be met. It's about seeing the potential and what we have, seeing the opportunity to meet needs and fulfill them. And to watch you be faithful in providing for our needs in the process. Lord, that widow and her son ate for days. And it was because they were willing to give to meet the need of another person. God, let us walk in that abundance. The abundance that only comes with a heart that gives. There's freedom in giving. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for your word that it's alive today. We thank you for what you told Paul. And that, God, we believe that as we give, you will supply every need, your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen.